0: Inspired leadership is the kind of leadership where you are able to unlock motivation in people, unleash that discretionary energy that is saved for people who really are driven and engaged in their work, and also leadership that holds people accountable.
1: Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. (laughs) And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. We're dedicated to bringing you unique ideas, perspectives, and best practices from all around the world to help you become a more inspiring leader. On today's show, I'm happy to introduce you to someone that I've had the privilege of knowing for a few years now a Toronto based executive coach, speaking coach, a leadership performance facilitator, and the president of Coaching for Results. Over the years, I've had a huge amount of respect for the value that Dana Jansen brings to her coaching practice and to life in general. Dana's someone that I've learned a ton from, and she's influenced me greatly. That is why I asked her to join us here today to talk about influence. See, Dana is an expert in influence, which I consider to be the cornerstone of leadership. She's the perfect guest to have on a show like this to discuss this important topic. But also, Dana happens to be part of our long-term strategy right here at the Inspiring Leaders podcast. And you'll soon be hearing a lot more from Dana on upcoming episodes. So consider this to be a little bit of a surprise announcement and an introduction to a new co-host for this very show. We're going to be hearing a lot more from Dana very soon, so it's time that we introduce you to her. Dana Jansen, welcome to the Inspiring Leaders show.
0: Terry, it is an honor to join you on this podcast, especially since I remember when you and I first met a number of years ago, you had this dream of someday doing a podcast on the very topic that you and I both love, which is leadership. Remember that?
1: (laughs) I sure do. And now it's a reality. You know what? I feel like I should have had a drum roll to introduce you. <laughs>
0: well, thanks for the wonderful lead up. Love it. It really is incredible to see how you have rocked it with inspiring leaders over the past couple of years and built such a strong platform. Congratulations on the on the success of what is essentially your baby.
1: Well, thank you so much. I feel like I've just really put a stage out there and I keep inviting really great guests onto that stage. So it's good that the audience has grown. I love that. And I like the fact that our influence has grown so that we can get guests So it's all working out pretty well. And I got to say, I am really excited to have you join us, not only for this show, but to welcome you to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast team. I'm thrilled to announce that you are going to be joining me as the podcast host for some future episodes.
0: Well, Terry, I got to say, I'm super, super pumped. And as you know, how leaders lead others, that's really the thing that I'm really passionate about. And I do have a mission to help create more amazing leaders on this earth, period. Just a small goal at at that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just a little hobby on the side, right? (laughs) Exactly.
0: I've enjoyed listening to you and the guests over the last few years learning a ton. It will be exciting to join you as a co-host on this platform, because in the end, it's about expanding the number of leaders that not only you and I learn from, but what all of our listeners can learn from in the end, I really do think this world needs more inspiring leaders. So people who are actually adding more value, being more impactful, not only to their organizations, but to all the people that they work with or work for.
1: Dana, I think that it's time that we let the listeners get to know you a little bit more. We definitely want to get into the whole topic of influence. But before we do, I'm hoping that you're going to share with us a little bit more about yourself and in particular, I'm really interested in who's inspired you along your journey.
0: In what I called my real job or my former job as a corporate professional, I essentially climbed the corporate ladder as a sales and marketing professional, You know, doing well as an individual contributor and then being promoted to various leadership roles. Right. As an individual contributor, I was always very underwhelmed by what I would consider to be okay leadership or maybe absent leaders. People who that I worked for often spent so much more time on trying to fix problem employees and spending time with them versus someone like myself who was just so hungry to be successful. Inevitably, I was left to thrive on my own, which was fine, but I really thought that it would be so cool to have someone mentor me, help me, invest in me, and help to stretch me farther than I probably would. That sort of got me thinking a lot about leaders in general. And I had a few executive coaches that I sought out. Back in about 2006, my younger brother, yep. at the very ripe age of 35, uh, decided to quit his corporate career. He was in the ad agency business. Oh. He called himself retired at 35. He had actually gone to one of Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within programs. I don't know if you've ever heard of these.
1: Super inspiring. Yeah, yeah.
0: And honestly, what I saw Chris do is he spent a year investing in himself and then he pursued what essentially was his passion, aligning what he wanted to do, which was working with people to be living at their best. It got me thinking. I really was tied into my corporate career, feeling rather uninspired. I decided that I needed to look to people outside of my current organization to figure out okay, what do I want to do? And I spent a lot of time doing tons of other programs. I did everything under Tony Robbins' uh, workshops, went to Fiji, did life mastery, wealth mastery, all these different things. Ultimately, learning more about myself, and it wasn't an easy process. In the end, I decided to make the leap from being a corporate professional who was actually very successful, doing a lot of great things, but feeling very underwhelmed with my life. Ultimately, I feel like my mission is to create more amazing leaders on this earth. I think most leaders tend to be less effective than they can. Now, some people are awful, but I think most people are trying to do the best with what they know. I don't know if you would agree with that.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: You know, ultimately, I want to help leaders elevate the value and the impact that they bring. And I think we can move a lot of people from being average leaders to being quite stellar by really helping them to get super clear on not only how they can inspire and motivate people to do their better work, but also to drive results. And I think about myself, when I was promoted my very first people leadership job, I was all about the inspiration. I really didn't have tools or strategies to do anything other than trying to be a cheerleader, but really not knowing how to develop my people. That's been a learning journey over the last 15 years. Here I am today, working a lot with senior executives and large corporations because that was my former playground. And I really love the work I do because I work with a lot of people who really want to do better. They want to add more value to their organizations. They want to be more influential, but a lot of people are just unsure how.
1: The world really does need a lot more leaders that are worth following. Yes. Gone are the days when the effective leader out there is the one that's pushing people. Now it's the one who's pulling people and supporting people. Setting that stage for success. You and I are very, very well aligned on that one.
0: Yes, I would agree.
1: This is an episode that is long overdue. There's nothing more central to leadership than influence. In this very show, inspiring leaders might as well be called influential leaders. <laughs> so, two things A, I'm glad that we're finally here to talk about influence. And B, I'm grateful that it's you that's here to help us better appreciate just how crucial. Influence is to the leaders of the world. So, to start with, let's peel back the layers here. What do we mean by influence and why does it matter? And if you will, Dana, talk to us a little bit about this thing that I always hear you speaking about the stakeholders when it comes to influence.
0: Let's get real. As a leader, typically when people are climbing paths to get to that spot, they've been successful based on their technical know-hows, being individual contributors, and they're so successful that they get promoted. Right. But the reality is, as soon as you move from an individual leader into a leader of those who are doing the work, you no longer become a doer. And what's interesting is that a lot of leaders have trouble shifting from that individual contributor to leader because all of a sudden what made them successful isn't the same formula.
1: What got you here won't get you there, right?
0: Absolutely. One of my favorite books. Yeah. As I work with more VPs and C-suite, there's an even bigger shift because you're leading leaders who are leading others. So you're actually even further away from the doers. Yeah. So at the senior level, as you become more of a leader, what happens is your technical know-how, your product knowledge, your skills and expertise, that's kind of table stakes. Ultimately, your ability to get work done has to be done through others. And how does that happen? Through relationship and through influence. Mostly people are reactive versus proactive. They basically have work to do and they cut their head down and they push things forward without actually stepping back and being more strategic about how they can effectively get work done by leveraging the skills, insights, and needs of others.
1: That is a very, very powerful observation. I love that.
0: Yeah. So what is influence? Influence ultimately is anything that you can do to create, alter, inspire, or change someone's behavior or opinions based on how you have influenced them. Agreed. Stakeholders can be a lot of different things, but I would say they fall into two main categories. One would be internal and the other external. So internally, stakeholders are anybody that is impacted or influenced by either the project or the initiative you're doing or by the outcome. So internally, it could be employees, your direct reports. It could be your peers or cross-functional departments or business unit. could be your direct manager. could be the senior leadership team. It could be the leaders of other departments that your team engages with, even if you don't directly. And then externally, you can think about your business partnerships, your customers, your shareholders, communities, vendors and suppliers, regulatory bodies, uh, professional associations, competitors within the industry. There's a lot of different potential players.
1: i got to figure out where I'm going to put my spouse in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: Everybody's map of influence will likely look a little bit different. Yeah. But the idea here is that we're not operating in silos. Yeah. If we need to do our job, we need to rely on others. What will happen is if we aren't actually being intentional and strategic about our way we influence, typically what will happen is your initiative or project or some of the work you do might fail because people don't understand, there's lack of buy-in, or maybe you totally miss the mark on what those stakeholders actually need and want. Sometimes we create confusion or animosity or conflict or drama because Whatever we've put out there, we haven't actually considered what the stakeholders need and want.
1: Right. That's a big one, I think. That's very common.
0: The upside of being proactive and intentional about how you influence, you can A, obviously build strong, lasting professional relationships, but it actually can create maybe new potential partnerships. You actually get new thinking into what it is you're doing at work, maybe new ways of collaborating between groups that didn't happen before more buy-in, more alignment, things just flow much more smoothly, actually getting more innovation. Yeah. So I think my message for most executives and leaders that I work with is how can you be more intentional and more proactive?
1: There's two things that are coming to mind. One is really sort of drawing out those stakeholders and figuring out who is it that I most need to influence. And the reason that I think that this just strikes me as so important is that I've talked to many, many people in the professional world and they say, you know what? I'm just not comfortable going out and reaching out to that person because that's going to seem like I'm kissing up. And I am not the kind of person who's out there using my relationships with people. So I don't do that. I'm not that kind of a person. Yeah. So that's one problem. They're looking at it from the wrong perspective your model really gets them thinking about, hey, this is influence. This is an indispensable piece of leadership. In influence, you do need to think about all of those different stakeholders and how they could potentially impact you or the impact that you could have on them. Yes. The other piece of this that I love that you touched on is that being intentional instead of being reactive. Because I see so many people out there that build really good, powerful relationships with people and then it goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. They might sit down and have lunch with a VP of finance that really could open the doors for them for a lot of things and should. However, they don't want to ruin that relationship, so they never ask.
0: Yes, exactly. To help people actually noodle through how they're actually going to be proactive and intentional, I have a three-step process that I work with a lot of executives and leaders. Would you like us to go through that today?
1: You know what? I think we need to redefine it as the three noodle process.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The three noodle. All right. Sounds good. Really simply, uh, step one is identifying who, right? Yeah. Who's on your stakeholder map? Two, you got to analyze and prioritize. And three, you need to actually execute and engage. Right on. So let's look first at identifying who often we don't think about all the potential stakeholders that may be of value to us in our careers. So strategically, we're asking them to think about how can you be more intentional with your stakeholders? So there's a stakeholder map that we typically use, and it essentially consists of three concentric rings. You've got an innermost ring, a middle ring, and an outer ring. The inner ring would be your core stakeholders. Typically, these are people that are very obvious. They're the ones that you need to report to, the people that are engaged in the work that you do, and you basically have some kind of an interaction with them on a regular basis. Right, yeah. The next ring could be potentially your other internal stakeholders, internal to the organization. For example, the departments that you actually have a fringe relationship with, but you don't necessarily do regular meetings with. Could be your finance department, could be HR. How useful would it be to actually better understand what's going on in the organization? This is where you can find collaborative opportunities. The internal stakeholders are ones that you may not know or you may have less of a frequent interaction with, but they're somewhat on your radar.
1: This is where the framework really comes in handy. I would suspect that's the piece that gets dropped a lot those fringe groups that you don't normally think of.
0: Absolutely. Even more so when we look at that odor ring, the external could be people who do the work you do in another organization. It could be part of some of your competitors. It could be perhaps a regulatory agency that actually has a voice to the work that your organization works in. It could be perhaps people who are in a different industry but share a similar role and maybe they have innovative approaches.
1: Or your executive coach.
0: Yes, it could. <laughs> it could be your executive coach as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Honestly, it's an individual process, but the thing that strikes most of the leaders that I work with is that wow, I've never put this on paper. And there's some power in actually taking what may or may not be in your awareness and having it clearly mapped out so you have your entire ring of stakeholders. So step 1 is just mapping out who's on the three ranks. Now, moving to step 2, if you actually then need to analyze and prioritize those relationships where are you at how much do you know so essentially you want to be able to understand a number of different questions about each of those stakeholders some of those questions could be their need their key needs are what they value most what matters most to them what their objectives are for this year and the longer term what is their vision what frustrates them what are their challenges And how might their work potentially intersect or work with your work? If you don't know the answers to that, that could give you a clue as to where your strengths are, where your relationships are already established, and also where there may be a gap. You don't have to fill in all the gaps with everybody, but it allows you to be very thoughtful, proactive, and intentional about, okay, there are some people I need to prioritize over the next year, next quarter, next six months, whatever to actually start to move my ability to influence. Maybe you decide who you want to target in the short term, medium term and long term. So that would be step two. Our third step in the way you can actually be strategic about influencing is actually plan when and how you're going to approach each of those stakeholders. This is where you actually take your map and put it onto your calendar. So looking first with your immediate short term, let's say that over the next quarter, these are the three people that I actually need to be more intentional about getting together with. Mm-hmm. So taking those three names and actually plotting them in your calendar, and it doesn't have to be an overwhelming thing. Three people over the quarter that are new, that are potential influential individuals or stakeholders to you could be very, very useful. So making it practical and putting it into your calendar makes it seem very doable. Yeah. And then the magic is engaging them. That's the big question. How the heck do you actually influence people? First step is to connect a real connection. Yeah. Really just to get to know them. So what does that mean? Asking some simple questions. Things like, what are your top priorities this year? Tell me a little bit about your business and what you're most proud of that you've been able to accomplish so far. And what are the challenges you're facing? Very rarely do people get asked such questions. Usually, it's all about the task and the work, but not about them as individuals or leaders. Yeah. And usually, if you ask those kinds of questions, most people will be more than happy to tell you.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: So by actually asking questions that show that you care about them and their world, will A, give you tons of interesting data, but also starts to build a real human connection. It'll help you understand what really motivates them. This is valuable information about that person that could be useful for you in the longer term step two it's all about trust how do you build trust with people i'm a big fan of stephen covey he's written many books including the seven habits of highly effective people and one of his quotes speaks to this which is when trust is high the dividend you receive is like a performance multiplier elevating and improving every dimension of your organization and your life and your company High trust materially improves communication, collaboration, execution, innovation, strategy, engagement, partnering, and relationships with all the stakeholders. So it's super powerful. And I don't know if you've read the book written by his son, Stephen M.R. Covey, called The Speed of Trust.
1: It's one of my favorite books.
0: This is one I love because for a lot of people who feel like trust is one of those soft kind of fluffy kind of topics. It actually underscores the basic ROI, the bottom line return on investment, that speed uh, that trust makes in terms of a contribution to how an organization works.
1: I view it as probably one of the most underappreciated elements of success in organizations.
0: Yes, absolutely. I feel like trust could be a whole topic you and I could talk or interview other people about.
1: We'll do another show on that one. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I think that is actually worthy because trust at work matters. It's either a barrier, a form of a, a lubricant. You're not building trust when you're all about yourself. Right. However, if you make it not about yourself, but you really make it about understanding others, you really have some sense of your own business and what you can offer value to others, but also prove yourself to be reliable. That's how you can actually build trust.
1: That's awesome. I love that
0: this idea of establishing a real connection and building trust, even just having coffee with people, getting to know them on a human level, not being all focused on what's in it for you and getting your business right away. That's the building block. One of the things that is pretty basic is that people like to do business with people who like them. So this idea of creating human connections means that people start to get to know who you are as a human being, and they're more apt To want to do business with you, to collaborate with you, to be influenced and to listen to what you have to say after you've established that likability. Yeah. If you think about it, how many people actually put together their stakeholder map? How often are people translating that to their calendar and being methodical about it? And if you think about it, if you knew like six more people in your organization or outside your organization that can make a difference to the work you do and how you get work done, wouldn't that be super cool?
1: I'm going to estimate that it's probably less than 1% that actually do this sort of work.
0: Yeah. So far, I've not yet met any of the executives that I've coached who've ever done this. And it's not necessarily rocket science, but it's actually putting a methodology to some common sense.
1: This is unquestionably a best practice for leaders. Awesome. Now, before we wrap up here, Dana, I got a couple of questions that I love to ask guests. I'm interested in your answers to these two questions. You ready for this?
0: Absolutely.
1: Okay, here's the first one. What challenges do you see facing a lot of the leaders out there today?
0: The biggest thing I see is that we're moving from a chain of command type of leadership to a web of connection, from competition to more collaboration, from markets to networks and stockholders to stakeholders. And it's this idea of this web of humanity. And so influence becomes more complicated. People aren't going to do things just because you say, so you need to influence through magnetically connecting with people and being able to really understand their needs and their motivations.
1: I see what you did there. You just connected my question right back to our topic for this week. <laughs> that was brilliant. Well, And I have to agree with it 100%.
0: The other thing I would add, to is that we're seeing the difference in generations, our Gen Ys and our millennials, in 2020, they're going to represent 50% of the workforce. And the thing we do know about millennials is that they crave to be more involved, yeah, more engaged. yeah. So involving people as a leader, being more inclusive and collaborative and including two-way conversations is the way that people can influence down the road.
1: That's another big piece of it. Okay, get ready, because here comes my last question. Dana Jansen, what does inspired leadership mean to you?
0: Absolutely, you want to be able to inspire others, but you also need to be able to deliver results. So inspired leadership is the kind of leadership where you are able to unlock motivation in people, unleash that discretionary energy that is saved for people who really are driven and engaged in their work, and also leadership that holds people accountable. That's the biggest piece I know that when working with leaders who are trying to get work done, by inspiring their teams, they actually elevate their game by holding people accountable. So inspiring and delivering results together.
1: You have a way with words. You are able to put things into terms that really make sense. And I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Dana, for sharing your perspectives and your expert advice. I think it's pretty safe to say that people are now seeing the reason that I wanted you on the show and why I trust you so much that I'm thrilled to have you on here as one of our future co-hosts for this particular show.
0: This is pretty awesome, Terry. I can't wait to venture forward in this year and onward with all the different leaders that we'll get a chance to interview and learn from.
1: I'm really looking forward to listening to you steer the podcast ship. And I can't wait to hear the perspectives that you're going to bring to the show. And to our listeners. So, again, a big welcome aboard.
0: It's a a pleasure to be partnering with you again, Terry.
1: Okay, so now I'm gonna throw a challenge at you, Dana. Do you wanna wrap this show up?
0: (laughs) Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. All right, so that's it for another episode of Inspiring Leaders. Thank you so much to our faithful listeners. Terry and I are absolutely appreciative of every single person in our growing audience. Don't forget to share your comments on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Until next time, take care and bye for now.